The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. I invite your attention to Psalm 27 this morning. Psalm 27. That is not the book of Ezekiel. So if your uh, fingerprints, like the book of Mark for three years and Ezekiel for 11 weeks, are there, we're flipping different today 
as, as we do. And there's no PowerPoint today, uh, just uh, felt compelled to try something different this morning as we do. But, uh, you know, this is a very odd time we live in, isn't it? Uh, a time where toilet paper is in greater uh, demand than, than bananas and, and fruit and vegetables. Uh, we tried our hand at, I have a picture uh, of a sweet lady, probably about 85, and uh, uh, Dollar Tree and Independence, we were down there to dent, get some dental work done. She bought about 60 rolls of toilet paper. Uh, she's either the greatest profit turner or she, she's expecting kingdom come for many years to come, I don't know, but uh, uh, she, she was ready, and she was, she was sweet and gave me a hug, so it was all good. But, uh, you know, from everything to our greatest sports events, this is supposed to be Selection Sunday for many of you all. Did the, those teams who fought hard at the end in basketball world get into March Madness? That's gone. Uh, from my perspective in running, the Boston Marathon for the first time in almost 125 years, save a world war, has been canceled or postponed. Uh, stuff all around has just changed, hasn't it? But the one constant we have is God himself. But I think in moments like these, when suffering enters our door, you know, when trouble comes our way and all that sort of thing, and, and when there's a turn in your life and you face something you never thought you would face. I mean, think about this. Uh, my mom and I were talking about this yesterday. You know, even in 9-11, those of you who were alive at that time, I mean, there were some pretty dramatic things. We were angry uh, about what happened. But this whole last four days has had a different vibe, hasn't it? At least to me, it seems. But there's something that happens when these times come that you often preach a different gospel to yourself than you would when things are normal. And I'm going to say something to you that may sound different, and it's not original to me, but it's something that stuck with me, is that, and you may laugh at this, but just, just bear with me, there is no one more important in your life than you are. No more person influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you talk to yourself. Do you ever think about that? It's true. I mean, you think about it. You really are talking to yourself all the time. Now, you got to be careful with that. You don't move your lips and talk to yourself, and you don't do one of these things like, hey, Darren, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you today? That gets you in the loony bin, and that's not what you need, especially in these days. You're not supposed to do that. Nelson, yeah, if, you need, if you come watch Nelson's office about midday in the weekdays, and you'll find all sorts of funny things. But it really does impact, especially in times like this, that when you start to suffer, when you face hard times, when you face weird situations like this, you talk to yourself about who God is. You talk to yourself about what's important in your life, and you talk to yourself about how you're going to respond to the things happening in your control and out of control in your life. I remember meeting with someone not from this church several years ago in counseling, and she was very, very depressed. Her life was hard. I mean, you could just, you could make a movie out of her life. It was just so dramatic. And, and, and it actually happened. It wasn't made up. But when you heard this lady describe God to you, it also made you equally sad. It was a God I didn't know. It was, it was not a God that was described in the Bible. And when she talked about God, all I could think was, if this is her life, I, I would feel the hardship too, because who could go through life trusting in that God? And I thought, if, if that was my God, yeah, I would be depressed too. But what that lady reminded me of when I was preparing the sermon was, it, it's just the sufferings of this life. She was suffering things how she thought about life. Do you understand that? She filtered her life how she filtered her God. She filtered her struggles and the things around her about how she filtered her God. And you can trouble your own trouble. 
And that's why I come to Psalm 27. And this is a favorite of mine. I think it's one of Pastor Nelson's. I love the Psalms. We're going to be preaching through these in the summer. This is one we'd actually plan to do. And I think the Psalms are great for times like these because they're honest. They're raw. They're not the peachy keen, hallmark, uh, lifetime movie network sort of thing where everything is all good all the time. Life is messy in the Psalms. And you see the toil and the struggle and the holding back of God in the midst of a dramatic brokenness of the world. And the Psalms are unsettling, kind of like the last few days have been for most of us. They're unsettling. They make us think about things and really consider our lives. But that's what's beautiful about them, because they give us realistic faith in a time like this. They give us realistic hope in a time like this, and a deeper struggle that we face in this world will be outdone by the deeper hope that we get And that's what the Psalms are all about. So I just want to read with you five verses today. We're going to get through them. We're not going to go verse by verse necessarily. I just want to give you some, 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 I hope, some exhortation. That's why we do this. I mean, guys, you are the weirdest bunch if you come every week to listen to me for 35 or 40 minutes. Seriously. And if you're watching on Facebook, welcome. You may be joining us because your church canceled or closed. But seriously, just to listen to someone ramble on is weird. But we come today because this is the Word of God, Right? And this is his word. This is our encouragement, our hope, and our anchor that he's given us. And I pray these verses will encourage you to do that. If you're able to stand this morning, I have no big idea. I have some notes. I have some paper. But most of all, we have the word of God. We have each other. So let's, that, that's kind of scary. I know, a Baptist preacher without notes. It, we're, we're just, uh, we're changing everything today, guys, as it is. Psalm 27, very familiar words for you, but I pray they're encouraging to you as we uh, re focus and recalibrate ourselves, especially in light of these days and the days ahead. David says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. And of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh and my adversaries and and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Verse three, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. In verse 5, for he will hide me, for he, God, will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble, and he will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me up high upon the rock. Let's pray today. As we go through Psalm 27, may God use this as encouragement to you. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, Lord, we have not been a threat of life necessarily in these days, although uh, sickness can be one of those things. We could contract any sorts of things. But Father, as we are living in a culture that is gripped by fear, is gripped by hysteria, and Father, we don't dismiss that as rebel-rousing or uh, as non-truth. We know there's reality there. But, Lord, as we come in a culture that is literally upside down the last few days, we come before you and lay our hearts before you because you are a God who is in constant control. You are a God who changeth not, and therefore we are not consumed, Malachi 3 says. Father, you are a God who says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough trouble of itself. Father, you're a God who gives us our daily bread. 
Yet, Lord, in these times, it's so easy to forget these truths. Father, re-anchor our hearts, recalibrate our minds, engage our souls with the truths of the Scripture today. Father, we don't claim that walking out of here, that everything is just going to you know, be a bed of roses. We, we don't expect that, Lord. We know, as Timothy was told by you, that uh, indeed all who li- uh, desire to live a godly life will suffer persecution, will suffer in this life. We are suffering people. You are a suffering Messiah, Father, that you sent for us in your Son, Christ. But through all this, you're with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. You go with us. Therefore, let us not be afraid. Let us be firm. May how we conduct ourselves in these days be a gospel witness and ambassadorship for all those who don't know Jesus. Father, encourage our hearts today in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, I want to just tell you, this is a very honest psalm, but it actually begins with a little bit of theology, and I'm going to use that word. Theology is just the study of God. It, everybody has a theology. Uh, R.C. Sproul wrote a great book, uh, the late R.C. Sproul. If you want a great book to give to someone called Everybody's a Theologian, maybe you've read that book before, Everybody's a Theologian. Chiefs fans were theologians back when uh, Patrick Mahomes broke his, or did whatever, it seems like an eternity ago, when he got hurt back in the fall. Everyone was a theologian because they went to their pastor and said, pray for Patrick, he's going to get healed. Well, God healed him enough to get the win, right? And so it's there. Everyone believes something about God, it's just, is it the right thing? And right away, when you get into the psalm, you begin to understand that peace in life, especially peace in times of trouble, is not found by being surrounded by people who like you. It's not found, peace is, in being able to understand all of life. Peace is not found because there will always be mysteries to to life, and they're not found when life is always good. Peace is found in sound biblical theology, especially what we know about God. And there's at least three things that are significant here about the psalm I want to get you with. Here he says in verse 1, he says, God, the Lord is light. God, the Lord is light. You see that there in verse 1. Well, what does light stand for in Scripture? It stands for what is pure. It stands for what is true and right and just, right? That's what light is. It does that. And uh, it, it always points us back to the greater reality even in this world. In a world that's so impure... In a world where wrong happens all the time, where it never seems like there's justice, even in Judge Judy's courtroom, there never seems to be good justice, there is one who is true. There is one who is right, and there is one who is just and rules over all. And as we look around our world these last 72 to 96 hours in America, it's been happening around the world, it's important to know that as we face injustice in this world, that there is justice in our world, and it's a person, and his name is the Lord Almighty. He is God, the God of light. Jesus is the light of the what? Light of the world. But he also says here, the Lord is salvation. I mean, but what is, in its grandest, biggest term, what is salvation? I mean, we talk about being saved, right? You got to get saved. Well, salvation in its broadest terms means that you are delivered from evil. It doesn't matter what you look like today. It doesn't matter that somehow it seems like the bad guys are winning, that, that evil is at every turn. The temptation is everywhere we look to say, God cannot win this battle. But when he says, the Lord is my salvation, he declares evil will not win. God has won the victory. Isn't that great news? There will be a day when all of us will be invited to one funeral that we want to go to. And it's a funeral of sin and death, and we're going to be cheering and clapping at it and hooting and hollering like you guys were before the service started. 
and you're going to be ready to rock and roll because you know once and for all sin has been put away, death has died because Jesus Christ reigns triumphant over all. He is the Lord of salvation. He's the Lord of light, Lord of salvation, but he's also a stronghold. Now, I don't know about you, that's, I, I love the old medieval times, not because of what they stood for, but the strongholds, you know, that they, they went to the stronghold. Or if you, were, if you were a Lord of the Rings fan, movie or book, pick your choice. The stronghold is where you went to get safe. But that means in this life, as I'm alone, as I'm alienated, as I feel vulnerable and weak, as I feel there's no place to run, as the culture shrinks in around me, a stronghold is a fortified building that provides protection. And God does that. Let, let's just have serious talk for a second. If a virus takes your life and you're a Christian, your stronghold is, is that you will live to see Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to be drastic. I'm not trying to be, you know, whatever. Sue's saying, I'm just being honest. For me to live is and to die is gain. The Lord is my light. The Lord is salvation. The Lord is a stronghold. But I'm going to say something to you again that may surprise you. This is bad theology. What? It's bad theology because we left out something. Did you notice what we left out of those verses? Is it true the Lord is light? Yes. Is it true the Lord is salvation? Yes. Is it true the Lord is a stronghold? Yes. But what are we missing out of verse 1? How did you miss this? There's one word in there we missed. Did you see that? It's bad theology because if you miss this, it's going to alter everything. David did, does not say the Lord is light. He does not say the Lord is salvation. He does not say the Lord is stronghold. What does he say? He says the Lord is what? My light. He is my salvation. He is my stronghold. Enough of abstract, informational, academic theology. He says, look, when times get hard, just remember, he's not some God up there. He's my light. He's my stronghold. He's my salvation. And when you look around this world, when everyone says, mine, 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 and they mean it for themselves, we look at him and says, his, 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 because he's got this. And the theology of Scripture is meant to be deeply personal. And because of that, the theology of Scripture teaches us, and I think this is what David is saying, is by the glorious, mysterious, awesome grace, my little life has been connected to the one who is light. My little life is connected to the one who is my salvation. My little life, toilet paper or not, is connected to the one who is my stronghold. That joke's going to get old soon, I know. <laughs> but he is three things, isn't he? He is my light. He is my Lord. He is my salvation, my stronghold. I couldn't earn this. I don't deserve it. I never achieved it. I didn't have enough sense to know I needed it. But grace exploded around me and showed me that in times of trouble, in times of good, I need him every hour. He is mine and I am his. Theology should not just rest with some religious elite or religious information. Theology ought to re-identify you. Look, if you look around the world we live in today, if any of you are on social media and, and uh, some of us were talking for church, you know, how much of that fear has been driven by things on here, we'll never really calculate. 10, 12 years ago when swine flu was out, a very serious thing in its own right, a lot of us weren't on Facebook. The cool crowd was the college kids, the high school kids, but most of y'all older folk, you weren't on Facebook. You're, face what? I got to put my face on a book? What is that? You know? But I'm here to tell you, 
if you look around, even at people who claim to know Christ, it's like we are talking like that, that lady I talked with in my office several years ago, not in this church. I don't know that God. Who are you talking about? What fear should you have? Guys, let's be real. You need to, we need to listen to those who are experts. We need to take care of our health and do our best to take care of each other and love our neighbor through doing that. But at the end of the day, David reminds us that it is not, your identity is not in what this world says is going on. It's in who God is and what he's in control of. And we need that reminder. Theology is meant not just to tell you who God is, but to tell you who you are as his children. Theology just can't be information for you. Yeah, Darren, I know that Jesus died for me, but do you know he died for you? And no matter what you face, that same God who holds your salvation holds you in the days of coronavirus or next year, whatever it is. The goal of theology of knowing God is a heart and life transformation. Look, I wake up in the morning and I don't know what the day is going to face. We have three kids under six, under seven, I guess it is now. Simeon had a birthday. You never know what the next moment, let alone second, is going to happen, right? I didn't know I was going to get that call. I didn't know I was going to wake up this way or or hear this. But the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. He is my stronghold. And by sovereign grace, he is our God. And he holds us. Now look at verses 2 and 3. He says this. Open your Bible there if you still got it. He says in verses 2 and 3, When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh and my adversaries and my foes, it, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. All of a sudden, the psalm gets very dark and very real, doesn't it? David comes here, and immediately you begin to learn that biblical faith, with all its glory, with all its grandeur, with all its great hope, is it never requires that you deny reality. A lot of Christians right now are denying that this virus actually exists. Guys, we don't know the extent. We may have more people infected than all. And you can debate that until the cow people are dying. The Bible never says you're to deny reality. It always speaks very frankly, doesn't it? Biblical faith with all its glory never asks you to play monkey games with the trouble in your life. If you're working hard to deny reality, you may have a momentary moment of peace, but you are not exercising biblical faith. That's what I love about Romans 4. If you've ever, I know we're going to be there in two weeks in Sunday school, I think. Isn't that right? We did Romans 2 today, 3 and 4. It, about, it, it talks about Sarah and Abraham. You know that story, don't you? They waited decade after decade for a baby Isaac to be born because a promise had been made. The whole scope and whole axis of human history was waiting on a baby. That never happens when a baby comes along, does it? Nothing shuts down, right? It's always goes, goes, goes. And Abraham was an old man. Sarah was an old woman. There was dead, it says in Romans 4, in her womb, deadness in her womb. And that's pretty specific. But it says Abraham grew stronger in his faith, even with the reality that was before him. See, folks, we must never deny the reality. In the days ahead, churches are going to have to make choices about their services they never thought they'd have to make at all in a lifetime. Ministries are going to have to have discussions with people about who can use their facility and who can't in the days ahead. Pray for people. I talked to two pastors last night who are local in this area whose hearts are broken because they can't have service out of fear that they might have something happen in their service. It's a real deal. We should be able to be the most honest community on earth because of God's glory is greater than any trouble we face. Look, if someone comes to you and says, are you scared about the things ahead? It's okay to acknowledge, yeah, I might be scared. I'm not going to deny my trouble. 
I'm not going to give non-answers, but we need to stop saying things like the problems are many, but the Lord is faithful if you've doubted His goodness all week. That's not biblical faith. Biblical faith says, look, my troubles are many, my Lord is faithful, and I've doubted His goodness, but even in my doubt, He still holds me up. Even in my doubt, He's still strong when I'm weak. Even in my strength, He's stronger than I will ever be. And so he goes on here, and he says, when evildoers, let's read down to verse 4, let's read those verses again. He says, when evildoers assail to me and eat me up, or try to eat me, me, my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. Now look at verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I mean, if you're in David's situation, and we believe this is when he was running away from Saul, and there's an army encamped around you trying to kill you, their goal was literally to eat you up, to to take out your life, what would be the one thing you would want? Weapons, right? To defend yourself. Bring it on. They didn't have a second amendment back then. You just carried as you carried, right? You just did your thing. Or you would pray, God, just take them out. Kill them. You're God. You can do it. Just get rid of them. And when you're in moments like that, right now, that's what you desire. But that's not what David says. He says, when my life is at stake, when everything's against me, when death is near, I know what I want to do. I want to go to church. What? I want to worship God. Now, let's be clear. If, if, friends, this is not a plea or a guilt trip for those who are not here or won't be at a church service out of fear of a virus. Please don't hear that at all. The point is this. When life hits the fan and things come at you and you are reminded what this life is about, you don't run to social media. You don't run to your friends. You run to the folks and the people who know the one who teaches about all life, and that is true, that God is good. We will get through this. We will see through this. We may lose this. We may lose that, but we will never lose my God, my light, my salvation, my stronghold. He is always there. And that's what he reminded them and himself of. Why in moments of trouble is this all he wants to do? I mean, it sounds super spiritual, doesn't it? Yeah, nothing bothers me. People are trying to kill me, but I'm going to go to church. Sounds pretty out of his mind. Sounds pretty super crazy. So why would he do this? Because David is on to something, and I think it's key for us. It's really found in the phrase, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Did you notice that? Friends, there may come a time in the coming days where we are restricted by, by, by rule of law that we cannot meet uh, or, or for whatever reason. That's happening in some countries and some places. And that's a discussion amongst our church leaders about how to handle that while balancing Romans 13 and all the, the, the applicable passages with honoring government and the Lord. That's not the purpose I'm trying to make. But in verse 4, he says that phrase, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Look, in these days, whether you're restricted to home or you can assemble together as you can, do you gaze upon his beauty? Is God's beauty coming out of your mouth more than the latest news about the coronavirus? And I confess, I've had more coronavirus uh, on my mouth than I have praise about God and what he's actually doing. Lord, forgive us. But here's what David knows. There exists in the universe a grand and glorious beauty, way more beautiful than any ugly thing he's ever going to see in this life. There exists in the universe something that is grand and glorious. 
He understand that, uh, understands that God exists and there is beauty. There's beauty in His sovereignty, that God's in control. There's beauty in His wisdom, that God has it and He knows what's going on. There's beauty in His grace that He hasn't already wiped us out anyway. He still gives us chances to come to Him. There's beauty in His love in that even though we are sinners, God has loved us and given us a chance, not just in this life, but to come to know Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's that grand and glorious beauty that we need to see in moments like this. Because although you must not deny the realities of life and the Bible never asks you to, you must not make troubles your meditation. You must not meditate on your troubles or the perceived troubles or the what-ifs more than you meditate, think about, remember, and consider and ponder who God is and what He's come to do for you. And that's tempting, isn't it? I hate the dentist. Oh, I hate the dentist. Can you open your mouth wider? No, thank you. I hate the dentist. I had my first uh, cavity filled a while ago, and they did things to my mouth. I don't think I could ever. I just, yeah. And it's tempting to think, you know what? This is my last breath. <laughs> I hear a drill. I see a needle bigger than my, my arm going in my mouth. I don't know where that thing goes. And it just keeps on going in. <laughs> Y'all ever been there before? You know what I'm talking about. Or even in the routine cleanings, there's like scrape, you know, sorry. I'm. <laughs> but when you're sitting in, I'm being silly, but when you sit in that chair, you really think your life is over for a moment. Even with gas, even with that, that, that knocked out in your mouth, you still think your life is over. I don't know if you get that feeling. I used to love the dentist. I don't like it anymore. Take me away. But you know what? It's easy when you're thinking of that dentist chair and they're strapped you down sometimes. That's all you can think about. And guys, I'm here to tell you, that's sometimes how we've reacted to this virus and other things in our lives. We just start thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, and thinking about it. And there's a place for that. The Bible says to pray about all things, doesn't it? It says to cast all our cares on Him, for He cares for us. But don't let the overriding times, troubles, of our times, whatever it is, come to override your beauty that you see in God Himself. Have you looked more heavenward this week than you have looked across earthward? Have you allowed your troubles to cloud your judgment about where God is? You toss your troubles around as you're doing things in the, your house. You toss your troubles around as you're going to bed. They wake you up in the middle of the night, sometimes literally. They're the knot in the pit of your stomach. In the morning, all of a sudden, your meditation is on your troubles, and they look larger than they are. Your inability and weakness gets greater, and all of a sudden, your troubles begin to define you. They become your identity. Listen, your trouble may be a difficult experience, but it's not your identity. That happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died on that cross and said, It is finished. You became one of His if you've trusted in Him. That is your identity. And when David had all this going around him, what happens when he knew, if he thought about the enemies around him, he would forget about who God is. He would forget that God is his light, that God is his salvation, that God is his stronghold. And as he would think on his troubles, God's presence got smaller and smaller, and those troubles got larger and larger and larger. David says, I can't let my mind do that. I won't let my mind do that. I can't go there. I'm going to run to God, to his temple, to his people, and I'm going to gaze upon his beauty because it's only when I see him as he is that everything else makes sense. 
Now, I hear what you're about to say or you're thinking. It's only when you see trouble in your life through the lens of beauty of the Lord that you see life with accuracy. That's correct. It's only when you see life through the lens of the stunning beauty of the Lord that you see with clarity and accuracy. That is correct. In times of peace and trouble, it begins with good theology, but it's also rooted in a worship of God. Guys, if there's a time that you need to get back to the Bible, if there's a time you need to get back to prayer, maybe this is God's divine providence and sovereignty bringing you back to the point that you need to spend more time with him and turn off that TV, silence social media, and let it be. Let me be clear. PSA, public service announcement. You need to be careful. You need to take proper steps. You need to take care of your health. That's not what we're saying here. We're not so spiritually high. We're not practical reality. Remember, we're not denying what the Bible says about reality. But at the same time, are you letting those things inform you of who you are and what you are? The remedy for fear and remedy for discouragement, for panic, for feeling alone is the worship of God. The more I let my heart consider who He is, the more I celebrate what He has done, the more I contemplate the fact that I've been connected to this beauty by grace, the less I feel alone in my trouble, the more hope I have, the more courage I have, and the more I see life with accuracy. Some of y'all can't see. If Dollar Tree ever left those dollar readers, some of y'all will be in a whole heap of trouble, wouldn't you? You need the accuracy more than those Dollar Tree readers. Bless them. Where do you do go in times of trouble? Where do you run? Where do you hide? What do you do when suffering has entered your door, when trouble has come your way, when there are moments when you feel helpless and weak? You see, you won't be silent with yourself in your mo- that moment. You're going, to theo- you're going to theologize, to use a big word yourself. You're going to say, you know, man, if I had not just touched that doorknob, or man, if I had just eaten my pill for the day, I wouldn't have gotten this goofy thing, you know? Maybe so. But don't gaze on your troubles. Gaze on Him. Don't gaze on whatever else is in front of you. Gaze on Him. Your troubles will look so big. I mean, I, I, guys, just think about it. Every time God brought a prophet or a, a, a person in the Bible to a moment of decision, everything looked bigger, didn't it? I think about Gideon. What, what a nutcase he was. I mean, he really was. The guy had the faith to stand before an army with 400 guys who were lapping like a dog, drinking water out of the creek. I don't, I don't know about you. I'd be a little scared. Yet God sent a whole army away. That's not prosperity theology. That's sound biblical theology, that God is bigger than the problem. He is enough, and we are not to doubt his goodness. You are there to worship him. Gaze upon his beauty. Remember that you've been connected to him by grace and hope and courage will not be found in your understanding your life because the moment you don't understand, it won't be found in trying to figure out his secret will. God's secret will is his secret will. There's, there's a guy I shared in our Sunday school class whose name doesn't matter right now, who's already proclaimed this is a judgment of God on America and the world for all these things. Maybe it is. I'm not here to pin the tail on God's judgment. What I'm here to do is remember how God has described himself, what he's told us to do, no matter what the circumstance, and to let my soul bask in him, not the troubles around me. If you're taking notes, take these down. Four things he tells us here. First, he tells you to gaze. 
He tells you to gaze. That's a command. And to gaze, your, your scripture may say something different there in verse 4, but to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord every day. Take time to think about what God has done for you. It'll change you. First thing in the morning before your mind runs to trouble, gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Look, some of y'all like to listen to things when you go to sleep at night. Uh, I, I, I do this most nights. Some, t- some nights I want to catch up on a podcast or something. But if you go to sleep with headphones in your ears, find a Bible app and hit play. Just let it play. There's nothing super spiritual about that other than just getting the word of the Lord in your heart and your mind. Can I challenge you this week? For every moment you watch Fox, CNN, MSNBC, or you mourn over the ESPN not having sports and they have some chess game on there, whatever you got, they haven't canceled that yet, so just hang on. It's coming. Would you take more time to spend with the Lord this week? Guys, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I don't expect this to be an earth-shattering sermon, but I want to remind you of that. What are you gazing on in the midst of all this trouble? Second thing is to remember, to gaze and then remember. As you're gazing, remember it's not just God is these things. God is these things for you. He is your light. He is your salvation. He is your identity. He's everything he declares himself to be, and he declares himself to be for you. Don't let Joel Osteen steal the glory out of that phrase. He's for you. He's for your, your good. You gaze, you remember. And the next thing I think David did here is he rested. When he was in God's presence, he gazed, he, he thanked God, he remembered, he did, but he rested. He rested in the reality of the glory of the beauty that invaded his life. When all was nuts around him, he said, I'm just going to sit here and let God take it. May it not be looked at beauty just horizontally, but may beauty invade your grace vertically as well as you rest in the fact God is in control. Now, I'm going to say this again as a little asterisk here. This doesn't mean we just throw to the wind caution. This doesn't mean we just throw to the wind the things that the Bible says. We're not just going to be like, man, I'm just going to sit in my house all day and not do anything. Well, some of y'all have jobs. You have to use that toilet paper occasionally, don't you? You got to live life. But as you do, gaze, remember, rest in him. And the fourth thing is, and this goes along with what I just said, act. Gaze, remember, rest, act. Respond. Now act and respond based on the gazing. Don't make decisions out of fear. Don't make decisions out of worry. Don't make decisions out of weakness or inability. You're going to regret those. Make decisions after you've consulted with the Lord on everything and go before him. That's what you have. Gaze, remember, rest, and act. And watch what God will do. It's not a formula. It's not an incantation. It's not some 101 ways to your next great spiritual life. But it is to be faithful in these times when everything else is going out the window. As we close, I just want to give you a, a, just, just some brief thoughts on this, this, this uh, from the Bible, outside of Psalm 27, about this whole crisis. But it's a reminder about who we are. Guys, this is a reminder as we do those things, as we gaze, remember, rest, and act. It's a reminder that our world is fragile, first off. Our world is fragile. The words of psalmists come through here in Psalm 103. The life of, 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 of humans is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind, or COVID-19, blows over, and it's gone, and its place remembers no more. May we pray, God, teach us to number our days. Psalm 90, verse 12. It also reminds us that our, our world stands equally at the same level. 
it doesn't matter where this virus goes or whatever other illness or whatever other thing comes along. It's not a Chinese virus, an Afghani, a Belgium, a Cambodian, a Denmark, a Maltese. I have a friend in Malta, that little island nation. France or America. We're all members of a great human family, and we all need to remember that we all are equally suffering under this thing called sin. In the eyes of the world, we're different, but in the eyes, we are all the same, guys. We all need a Savior. And may God be glorified in all these things. This time also reminds us of our loss of control. <laughs> no more toilet paper jokes, I know. The reality is, is that the more than ever we can control some parts of our lives, but other parts seemingly are taken away. We've lost control. There's also a pain we share that's, that, that is around, that people are sharing together. We're all moaning and groaning over these things, and even some more seriously over the loss of people. It also is a reminder there's a difference between fear and faith. That your reaction to your crisis really will show where you are spiritually with the Lord. Are you trusting Him or are you not? It reminds us, sixthly, of our need to pray and our need to trust God every single day. Let's be honest. There are days when life is generally good and things are stable and routine around you. You run on autopilot, don't you? I do. do that all the time. Got a schedule in front of me. I know where to go and what to do for the most part. But you pray that we trust God more than we trust everything else. I think this time also shows us, and I think David experiences too, that there's so much vanity in our lives. You know that old word vanity? You know what that is? Vanity, vanity, says the preacher. There's all vanity. It's so easy to lose perspective in these things. I saw runners. Look, I, guys, I'm trying. you know this, and I don't say this pridefully. I've been training for a year to qualify for the Boston Marathon. My marathon has not been canceled. Praise the Lord. Hold my breath every day. But I saw runners. Literally, a, a woman got on a forum and said, you know what, I'm going to divorce my husband because my marathon got canceled. I'm so upset. It was going to happen anyway, so I just made a big change in my life because there's a lot of changes in my life, and I'm just going to do that. Hello. Good morning. How are you? You know, it's just, it, it's crazy. Friends, I love March Madness like the rest of them. I love all these sports and all these things. Things have changed for now, and it might be an overreaction to some, yeah, but let's just remember these things are temporary. Pastor Nelson shared, these things are temporary. May we remember there's so much more. If there's anything about this time, may it draw us closer to the people we love most, especially the people of the household of God. Finally, we have hope, don't we? The story of the Bible is a story of a God of hope. We have it hard, guys, but I cannot imagine being a first century Christian, can you? When you literally are waiting for that knock on your door them to bust in and throw you in the arena. We haven't gotten that far. Our faith's not under attack, although our health is in some ways. Guys, we have the greatest hope. May we hold that hope out for others to see. I pray that this church, and I can tell you, I, I whipped out, I don't usually do this, and I'm confessing this to you. Nelson has his phone out because it helps him to stay focused, and he's told us that before in a sermon, so I will confess my phone use today during worship as well. We have a, a chat on our website that people can come on and type and ask things. We had three people within five minutes right before I went up and prayed and Meg played saying, what time's your live stream? We have people who are not usually listening to us, the small church we are, coming and saying, what's going on over there? All their addresses were from the 64119. We get that registered when they pop in chat. You pray that this church and us as people are a lighthouse in times like this. May God be glorified. Let's pray together as we close. Father, as we come to you,